Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a Studio 212 in the heart of Seattle, Washington, this is Physical Culture Radio. I'm your super dope host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds, lead Mountain Dog Diet trainer, at C Edmonds Instagram. Chris, what's up, bud? Not a whole lot, man. Already trained uh, chest and shoulders this morning and uh, setting up to leave for vacation uh, tomorrow morning. <laughs> nice, nice. I actually leave this coming week myself to go, vi- my, go visit my son in Colorado, and I worked out myself already, and I'm my workouts have just been fucking great lately. My shoulder's feeling better. Um, meals have been on point, and uh, the body's feeling good, man. I'm almost feeling like I don't need a rest day. <laughs> coming to the dark side where i am man <laughs> yeah so i i and i kind of caution myself because i know i have a tendency to get you know some tendonitis and some things in some different areas so i'm kind of leery about pushing it into that seven days a week training but i think i'm just about there and i think especially with my time off that i sometimes take when i'm with my son i almost think that when I'm not with him, that maybe I should just go seven days in a row and see how it goes, you know, and balls to the wall. You know, it's one of those things. Like I, I read about that years and years ago in MD, where you know they talked about a lot of the pros just take off days instinctually, and that always just made sense to me. And then yeah. back, I don't know, five six years ago, uh, John released. Uh, Doomsday, which was the first seven day a week training program, and right ever since then, like my my training partner and I hit that for twelve weeks, seven days, no off days, uh, and I, I had no issues. But recovery has never really been an issue for me. So as long as you set up your workouts properly and you aren't going in yeah. there and trying to do progressive overload seven days a week, I really believe you're smart and. Eat, you're eating right and your food's right and you're getting good sleep and your stress is low, but there's no reason you can't do it in spurts. So, yeah. Yeah. So today's episode, uh, we're, we're going to have a Q&A again today and go over some questions that we've been fielding. Um, but we want to talk about a division that they added um, that's a pro qualifier. So this is an NPC event. And the USA's uh, announced that they're now going to have a Masters show, not unlike Masters Nationals. So it's going to be a Nationals-based show. It's going to be at the end of the year, and it's going to be a USA's-based format. Now, I would assume that this show would have probably at least the same amount, if not more, pro cards given than Masters Nationals right now. Do you know... Any details with that? I don't. Okay. I don't even know if they've released them. No, I hadn't seen them yet. Yeah. I think it's cool. And the reason why I think this is so cool is because, and I noticed this even in the Northwest going to the local shows. I don't know if you noticed this on the East Coast, but there are so many like figure and physique gals that are in their thirties and forties and fifties that are stepping on stage for the first time. So many masters competitors, so many masters competitors in all the different divisions to the lesser extent bodybuilding. But I think with all the different divisions, men and women, I think it invites more people as they get older to step on stage. Now, maybe this is a watering down of the talent. Maybe this is a good thing because it's, you know, getting more people involved in the shows and helping the promoters and adding to the sport. What, what What's your take on so many more people competing and so many more people getting into the divisions, good, bad, and, you know, so different, basically. I- I can say, like, I've kind of watched this evolution in competition lately. And I say lately, it's really over the course of every time I've been to a bodybuilding show. Masters used to be really weak, meaning in terms of number of competitors. And teenage used to be a lot bigger. Now it's almost a flip-flop. Like, now I feel like teenage competitors are very, very small in terms of number. And the Masters have just taken off like crazy. 
Um, you know, I just looked up for one of my clients the numbers for women's physique um, at the North Americans from last year, and all six classes had anywhere between seven and 13 competitors. And if you think about yeah. that, like, that's craziness, right? I mean, that's a lot of women doing those master shows. Just in, if I'm looking at that single focused of that category at North Americans in 2018. But I think you're exactly right. What's happening is people are finding the sport later or they were in it early, had a huge hiatus and are coming back to it. Uh, and, and I think, you know, if you look at the numbers of Masters Nationals at North Americans, like the numbers of competitors are enormous. Like there's a reason the shows are now running Wednesday to Saturday. It's because there's not enough time to do the pre-judging and finals for every division over the course of a, you know, Friday, Saturday anymore. So they've had to push it to Thursday and now eventually to Wednesday. So I think it's going to be, it's definitely a smart business move because the competitors are there. And if you look at the price of entry fee and NPC cards and tanning and hotels, like there's so much money to be made in that realm. It makes a ton of sense financially for the NPC. Yeah. Um, right. D does it water down the competitors? I, you know, that's a great question. I mean, instinctually, I would say yes. But honestly, how many of those Masters competitors as a, as a whole, as a whole, not individuals, like you could pick obviously a handful of individuals, but as a whole, how many of those Masters competitors are stepping on a pro stage and being successful? I would say by right. and large, not many. Um, no. In terms of a large, if you look at the whole spectrum, and that's from bikini all the way to men's bodybuilding. So I would say that it's cool. It's given those people a, a platform to compete at a high level at. It's letting them get on a national level stage. And if the demand's there, I say let it ride. Because I don't think it's affecting the quality of pro shows. I mean, you if you don't if you take Dexter out of the equation, how many people in the Open Olympia are above 45? none that i know of um. yeah <laughs> no, none right now although mr olympia is what 43 right so yeah 44? he's creeping yeah he's creeping up there right um yeah. but if you look at the guys who are, are prominent um and on the rise you know uh Steve right Kuklo, um nathan diasha luke sandell all those guys are way younger in their late 20s early 30s so i mean yep you don't see anybody like Dexter, who's 49, doing as well as he does. So, you know, if you look at it, again, from a, a very wide lens, I don't think it's watering down anything. Where you might see it right. watered down is the following years at that show, at the following years, Masters Nationals or North Americans. You may see those classes start to get weaker and weaker. But I'm, I'm of the huge belief of, like, this sport repopulates itself. <laughs> There's always, gonna, there's always going to be a handful of guys and gals in each class who look incredible. And as long as you don't have people winning classes that look like absolute garbage, like they don't belong up there, I have no problem with it. Yeah. And, you know, competing in nationals myself at the master's level, I have to tell you that it was so competitive and there were so many great competitors. And even looking in this past year, at the Gary Udit um, promoted show, there's so many people that there, I mean, I think the demand was just there to do this um, and create more shows because there's, there's literally too many people packed into the shows that there are. And the, the promoters are having a tough time pulling it off with the classes and the people and how many people are, you know, getting into these competitions. So I, I, I think the need, I think the necessity to add more shows was simply there and th and they know they can make money at it. So I, I, I view this as a win-win. I don't think it's too far down the road and too much out of the realm of possibility to have more pro shows with a huge master's component and divisions in it and adding to, because Let's face it, a lot of pro shows, and I think it's great, you know, um, we're going to get in a little bit about um, the Dwayne Johnson event in, in Atlanta. So he's throwing an IFBB show that's going to have a million dollar, is it total prize money or top, top bodybuilder gets? 
Maybe I misunderstood it, but I thought it was the top prize. Top, I, I, I and I think you may be right. Um, but my 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 point is there. There a lot of the promoters that have ran pro shows in the past that have not coupled these with NPC contests have had a hard time just making money and being able to del- you know give out the prize money to the pros and get enough people to coming to these shows to be able to continue to have them year in year out so i think the combination and the in the addition of doing a pro show like like we just had the vancouver pro a couple weeks ago um uh, before it was a weekend before the tampa um, up here in the Northwest. And it was also an NPC show. So they did an NPC show and they did it. Um, I think there was probably two or three divisions each, uh, men's and women, uh, pro division, but they coupled with that with the NPC Vancouver and then a shit ton of people come. It pays for all the pros and the purses that they have to give for that. Um, and I think that model will be duplicated and I'd like to see the masters involved. I think it would bring more people to the table into these shows, more people following the masters competitors and obviously attending the shows and then make the promoters more money. And so I, and I, I think the whole sport is on a rise, whatever moves these guys have been making in the past five years have uh grown the sport and and i think it's yeah i think it's going in the right direction i would love to see the masters olympia come back and yeah when i when i say masters olympia i know within the past they've done like 40 plus to me that's too young i would love to see a masters olympia where it's 50 plus and i really feel and, and hold it on the same weekend in vegas um on the main stage like i think that would be really cool um you know, as you and I have talked at length and, you know, we trade photos back and forth of guys that do master shows and win weight classes, like there's a lot of talent out there. Now, can they stand with the top open guys or the top 212 guys? No, but amongst a handful of 50 year olds, you know, if you get the best, the 10 best or 15 best 50 plus bodybuilders, like I would love to see that in my, like on the main stage. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Okay, let's get into the question and answers. Yeah, let's do it. So the first one, and this is a good one. Um, I want to be really shredded. Do (laughs) I really have to eat fish to get (laughs) shredded? And the reason why I like this question is because anecdotally, I think in my past preps, Whenever I've put in cod, I tend to get leaner. So I associate that with with getting a more leaner physique when I start to put fish in my diet. I don't I don't think it has anything to do with the total amount of calories my, no. personally. Right. But um, let, what, what's your take on this question? I'm the same way. I've had guys who literally hate fish and we've done egg whites, chicken breasts and turkey. Um so yeah. I don't think you have to. I'm of the same mindset of when I eat fish, it sits lighter on my stomach and it digests really quickly. Um, yeah. I'm a big believer in foods that are in and out really fast. Um, you know, I get the question a lot of, why don't you like casein protein? And that's not to be confused with hydrolyzed caseinate, like the casein, like the slow stuff that people typically drink before bed. Um, I like proteins to be in and out of our system. So yeah. I've never, I, I don't, I do not eat fish in the off season. Um, I save that for the last eight to 10 weeks. Uh, and I use that simply to replace protein shakes. So instead of uh, oh. protein shakes, I'll just simply sub in fish. And that's typically because I want to eat food as opposed to drink food. Cause I'm usually hungry at that point, like a lot. So, you know, it's one of those things like, is it just where I am in the diet? Is that, is that why it's picking up leanness? Is there any true validity to, fish making you leaner i don't i don't freaking know um is it purely psychological for me yes yeah (laughs) here's here here's the deal when when people eat two you know two eight ounce portions of beef a day or steak and then they put 
fish in place of it, obviously they're gonna they're gonna fucking get leaner, right? Right. Taking in less fat. <laughs> yeah. But but the protein quality should be just about as good. So I think total amount of calories and your fat's gonna go down and it's gonna move through faster. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, it, 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 it would stand to reason with common sense that it's just going to get you leaner because of that fact alone. But I think the bigger, the, the overarching principle that we're talking about here is total amount of calories, total yep. amount of protein and total amount of macros going in and out in creating a deficit that, that is the bigger picture. Correct. A hundred percent. So yes, yeah. to answer the question in both my opinion and yours, you do not have to eat it to get shredded. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Number two, when should I use EAAs, i.e. essential amino acids or BCAAs, i.e. branch chain amino acids? And I get this question a lot because people generally speaking know about and have heard about BCAAs because there's lots of, you know, promoted ads on branch chain amino acids. Um, and, uh, so, what I tell people when I get this question, and then you can kind of give your two cents on it. Yeah. Um, for me, essential amino acids are a little bit more complete than BCAAs. And to me, they're preferred with fasted cardio and or putting it into that intra-workout drink because the amino acid profile is much more complete. So it provides a lot more of those basic nutrients. I don't know if it's as high in the isoleucine, leucine and valine um, as the, as the BCAAs may have a higher value of that depending on the product. Um, but I, I would opt and say, generally speaking, you just want to do EAAs and specifically I like the granite product myself grab oh, supplements is yeah they're delicious um and i like both of them the strawberry lemonade and the green apple both are really good flavors they mix well they aren't clumpy it doesn't settle to the bottom of the shaker um like the original formula did the newer ones are way upgraded um so to answer the question like i like essential aminos just like greg um i think they're they're i'm getting all seven versus just three um so I'm not going to opt for branch chains. If I'm going to spend money, it's going to be on EAAs. Um, obviously, the number one time to use those is going to be intra-workout. Even if you don't have carbs with them, I'm going to want those while I train. So if you're someone who doesn't like to have carbohydrates while they train, you definitely are going to want them there. Um, I personally use essential amino acids in the off-season more than I do pre-contest. Yeah. In the off season, I'll use essential aminos during my cardio because I want that to be extremely muscle sparing and I don't want to risk any part of burning up lean muscle tissue, even if it's all in my head. And then I will actually use them between <laughs> meals. <laughs> I'll use them between meals in the off season just to ensure that my body is recovering uh, from the brutality that I'm going to put on it. So again, I don't like essential aminos when I'm pre-contest while cardio. I just like to have water yeah. um, and then I'll... In, and then year round, I'm using essential aminos in my intro workout nutrition. Yeah. I think if, if you only have access to BCAAs, it's better than nothing. So correct. Yes. Um, yes. But if you can that get EAAs, it's preferred. And that, and that's our answer. Uh, what is the optimal? Okay. Question number three, what is the yes. optimal amount of sleep to get per night? And I, I don't know if more is always better um, but I think that generally speaking, the research says that seven to nine, if you can get it, I know I, most adults can't even fucking sleep seven to nine hours. <laughs> I don't know if I've, I've never been a huge sleeper. I can sleep about eight, eight and a half on a good night. Um, but I can't, I, I, I've never, I've and one of my best friends when we were growing up was one of those 10, 11 hour sleepers oh, and I'd wow. get up and I, I was like a little kid and we'd be like eight, nine years old. And I'd get up way before him and he'd be sleeping his ass and I'd be trying to wake his ass up because I've never <laughs> been a huge sleeper. But I think for me personally, if I get less than six, I don't feel right. Yeah. Like if I work on five or under, what, what, what how much do you sleep? Because I know you take right. naps too, right? Yeah. Yes. So as a whole, I like cumulative eight hours. 
So six to seven at night and then an hour during the day <laughs> or to two hours. Right. So right. that's how I like to think about it. Um, I, uh, I, I think that as I've aged, I, I require more sleep to fill and function. Uh, when I was wow. in my early twenties, five hours and I was good to go. <laughs> yeah. Go to, yeah. go to bed at midnight, wake up at five or six, not an issue. And I could fly around like that. Um, as I aged, I cannot do that anymore. If I go to sleep at midnight and I wake up at five, I feel like absolute death all day. If I don't use tons of stems and don't take any naps, I would, I just, it's not in a good spot. So I'm like you, eight hours is kind of a sweet spot. I, I struggle to get eight hours continuous at night because I'm an early riser. And if I'm in front of the computer until, you know, 11 o'clock at night, 1130, um, I, my alarm's still going to go off at six. <laughs> and even if my alarm doesn't go off at six, my eyes are wide awake. <laughs> So, yeah. you know, it's one of those things like I, I, my goal is cumulative eight hours per day. Um, so, you know, if you aren't fortunate enough to get a nap, power naps are really incredible. You know, 15 minutes pre-workout or on your lunch break. If you have an hour of lunch break, there's no reason you can't eat in 20 minutes and then lay down in your car or under your desk or somewhere and just get a cat nap in uh, to catch up on some sleep. I promise you, it'll, you'll feel better. Um, you'll grow faster if you're in the uh, if you're in pre-contest. So here, here's some fun facts for you guys. The reason I love naps pre-contest is because when you're asleep, that time flies, right? And it gets you closer to the next meal. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> when so I'll, I'll give you a funny story. When when I used to do carb loads on Saturday, uh, the last time I prepped with Matt. So all day long, every two hours, I would get a meal of four to five ounces of meat lean meat and then i would get two cups of rice and that wow. was from the time the time i woke up after cardio to the time i went to sleep so what i would do was i'd eat a meal and then i'd try to sleep for an hour and a half and then i'd wake up make the next meal and i'd eat and go right back to sleep <laughs> <laughs> so it was like just, a giant baby <laughs> right just <laughs> absorbing everything right and and i yeah. really believe like i would wake up from those naps to make my next meal i'd be vascular head to toe my I, I would look like I was pumped all day long. And then at night I'd go train arms and then uh, I didn't get to have two more meals of a lot of carbohydrates. And I'm telling you, it, it just made me like look and feel incredible. So not saying that everyone can do that, obviously, um, but <laughs> I can tell you it worked really well for me. <laughs> yeah. So skipping around a little bit and getting uh, staying on the topic of supplements, what is the ideal supplement stack to take before cardio to burn fat? Okay. Um, all right. So let's start. In my opinion, the best way to start is the over-the-counter stuff. Yeah. To me, I love 200 milligrams of caffeine. So that can be from a pill version. That can be from coffee. That can be from thermo burn that Granite offers. But those are going to be my options for caffeine. I'm going to want something to wake me up and kind of get me going. Um, next, I like Yohimbi or Yohimbine, however you say that. Um, I like 2.5 um, in terms of milligrams. And then I like a little bit of taurine, so about four grams of that. And then usually I'm wide awake and ready to crank, and I'm sweating, and I feel incredible. Yeah. So... You know, that if, if you're looking for over-the-counter pre, pre-workout, meaning pre-cardio, um, that's what I would opt for all day long. You take that, like what I would do is I'd have that in a Ziploc bag uh, by, in your bathroom by your toothbrush. As soon as you get out of bed, smash 20 ounces of water, take those pills, and by the time you like get dressed, get your vaso burn on, brush your teeth, you were going to be wired and ready to crank. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I like. What do you like? So... I like L-carnitine and I get it from my naturopath and it is, I am, it's, it's, it's a completely, um, natural, uh, amino acid. So it's, it's a natural supplement. Um, it's like you're taking a sub Q or I am shot of it. So it is. A shot which makes it seem like it's some kind of a drug but it's it's not so it's like b12 it's like b12 or you know glutathione which you take im um or a lot of the different vitamins um that that naturopaths and and doctors will give you if you're deficient a lot of people um the problem with taking a lot of these things orally is 
is they're not bioavailable at all. So they just get destroyed um, in the stomach um, and, it, and there's no bioavailability in the cells of it. So when you when you take something uh, in an IM manner, meaning intramuscular, uh, it you go right into the cells, it gets right into the bloodstream and there's no degradation of it in the di- digestive tract. A lot of these things that you that people tout and people say, oh, this this works and this is why it works and this is the efficacy of it. They're not talking about an oral version of it or they're quoting research maybe that is skewed and isn't talking about the degradation that happens in the digestive tract. So be careful when you take supplements um, and oral versions of these things. And especially like L-carnitine is most of it's probably just going to get destroyed in the digestive tract and not be effective. So that, that is, um, my favorite supplement. Although I do like caffeine. I'm not a fan of Yohim, Yohimbi. I'm not a fan of black pepper and pepperine and all these different things that make you run hot and itchy and scratchy and like, fuck that (laughs) shit. Um, straight up caffeine. And, and I like caffeine. I think caffeine anhydrous is better. Although I do drink coffee. I think caffeine anhydrous is the most effective form of caffeine. And, um, I usually like it in a pre-workout. I really, you know, I, I, I like the, uh, granite, um, product. Um, but you know, I, I don't like the bangs and things that have 400 milligrams of caffeine. And I like, in between 200 and on the high end, 300, I get into that 400 range and I get a little tweaky and it's a little too much for me. Um, also the artificial flavors and artificial sweeteners and all the crap in these drinks, I, I I feel are kind of crappy on the body and can kind of irritate you and make you irritable. So I, I think, uh, I mean, to me, like a no dose or a caffeine anhydrous powder or just some straight coffee is probably the most effective other than the I am like L carnitine. But then, you know, you know, you get into like the clenbuterol and you get into the, you know, some of the um, enhanced things and fat burners like T3, you know, but you got to be careful with all these things. And that and these things should be taken on a very short term, you know, last bit of stubborn fat can't get off. And maybe you do some clen or some T3, but that is, you know, this is not a good strategy just for burning fat in general. You need to drop your fucking calories. You need to drop your fucking calories. If you want pre-contest, those are ludicrous. (laughs) They're stupid. Um, Yeah, they're stupid. I mean, how many women get thrown on T3 and T4 and armor and all this stuff in preps by coaches? It is fucking common and it happens all the time. Here, take this shit. It'll get you lean. Yeah. And they throw yeah. them on anti-estrogens and all this stuff to lean them out. It's like the worst thing you can freaking do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's scary uh, to me. Um, if you yeah. guys also want something cool, like let's say you don't have any, any, any of the stuff that Greg and I just talked about, meaning the L-carnitine or any of the pills and you want to do cardio tomorrow, stop by GNC and vitamin shop and get you a red line extreme. Those things are really good. Only drink half of it. It's in like a little red bottle. They taste delicious. They're zero calorie, and they will make you yep. feel really good. So that's another cool thing. Like Jimmy Bluff turned me onto those years ago, um, and I yeah. actually used those for the second half of a prep because they just tasted so good, and I look forward to it every day. <laughs> and the good news is, it's like in your system super fast. So like you can is that a VPX? Is that a VPX yes. product? Yes, it is. Yeah, yep. that's what I thought. Yeah, they're really qu- high quality. They're very inexpensive. And again, you can, you get two uses out of every bottle. So, you know, you drink uh, half of one one day, you drink the other half the next day and they taste really good. So there's another cool product for you guys. If you want to like do something tomorrow that you don't have to order. They, they used to make a product called, called Clembuterex. Do you remember that product? Oh God. Yeah. You know, the, the marketing slogan was taste like, well, taste like shit, work like hell. You used to suck (laughs) it out of this syringe. It was a, it was a bottle. And you would take this, this stopper thing and you would throw this little 
plastic syringe type thing and you would <laughs> suck out some of the clambuterox and you would shoot it underneath your tongue. Yep. And this stuff, <laughs> I I I think it had like five to six hundred milligrams of caffeine in it. Oh, it was so strong. And some other shit too. Like who knows what else was in this fucking stuff? Dude, there was illegal was, shit in there because they they banned. There was like, some illegal shit there, it. wasn't there? Yo, yeah, yeah. It ta- it literally tasted like fingernail polish. Um, it was terrible. Um, but I can tell you, like, I had like, we used to drink the shit by the bottle full. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Cause it has the, well, sir, how you took it was like a kid's syringe that you give like little kids medicine with. Right. Um, right. And you would suck this like thick liquid out of it and you'd be like, Oh my God, just please give it to me. Um, it, it, yeah, was, that it was a strong. horrible product though. It was a horrible Oh yeah. Product. It made you feel amazing, but Oh my God, it was terrible. Like your whole throat would go numb. Um, it yeah. was powerful. And then you'd, <laughs> and then you'd crash, you'd crash hard and yeah. Oh God. Yeah. 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 You'd have to hit a second a dose. Crash on it. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> okay. So let's see what, what oh, exercise. Did, on, you, you, had, you had some fo- you had, didn't you have some follow-up questions with that cardio? You told me you about, Oh God, what did you tell me? It was something about what's the ideal amount of cardio to do. We should have touched that. Oh yeah. Yeah. How much cardio. So I get this question a lot from people and especially people at my gym that come in and are completely new to working out or have worked out before and out of it and sedentary. So they, how much cardio should I do per week to get lean? Like what's the, what's the duration? What's the times, um, is a huge question that I get. And for me, my answer, first of all, is let's 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 work with the diet first. And I explain to people, look, if I just put you on a diet and you follow my diet and these are people that come in, maybe, you know, have 20, let's say 20 to 50 pounds to lose. I tell people when they come in and they go, well, how many hit workouts should I do and how much cardio and, you know, what do I take and this and that? And I the first thing that I tell them is. I say, I need to, I can, I, you can lose weight on just what you eat alone, just on nutrition, like take working out, take cardio, every, all that shit out of the equation. I can make you lose weight. Now it's not going to, you're not going to build muscle and you might even lose a little muscle if you're losing fat too, and you're not working out, but through nutrition and creating a deficit, I can get you to lose fat. That being said, what I tell them is I want you to do a combination. And for most people, I, I, I tell them if you're working out, let's say two, three days a week, then I want two to three sessions of 30 minutes of some kind of fast walking, either on a treadmill or outside or on a bike or on an elliptical. So I start with two to three. I don't, I don't go right into the, Oh, you should do four and five and, beat the, you know, beat the crap out of yourself. And if you even get somebody doing it twice a week for 30 minutes on a fast walk, I I feel like, and they're not doing anything. I feel like that's a, a win. Um, but that, but the question is a little bit, I, I, it's a little bit loaded because I also tell them, look, you can't eat like crap and then out exercise this bad diet and then do a bunch of cardio to make up for your nutrition bad habits so you got to explain the whole picture to people but i think the i think starting people out on two three days a week is my general recommendation 30 minutes um what what what's your what's your take on that and how do you approach that so so i have two ways like one is do more than you're doing now so if you're doing zero i'd probably start you at two days if you're doing three days at say 20 minutes I'm going to increase that to probably four days at 25 minutes. Um, right. Now, the problem you run into is if you get a female or a guy who's really ambitious and they're like, listen, I've been doing seven days of cardio for an hour um, for the last month and I'm getting no results. What do you do then? Because more isn't the answer there. <laughs> so yeah. um, the next question there, if I'm strictly addressing cardio, is what kind of cardio are you doing? Okay, so let's say you're doing steady state at moderate or low intensity I'm going to switch up. I'm going to pull your cardio back to about probably four days a week, and I'm going to make you do all hit intervals. So on the flip side of that, if you're doing all hit intervals, I'm going to take those out, and I'm going to put in moderate or low intensity at a different 
modality. So if you are always on a treadmill doing running, I'm going to have you get on a Stairmaster. If you're always on the bike taking spin class, then we're going to do an yeah. elliptical. Um, you're going to do a high incline treadmill walk. I'm going to change something so your body has a reason to adapt to it, meaning burn fat. So it always stems from where that person is at currently. And then the, obviously the follow-up question there is, what does your diet look like? If it's complete yeah. garbage, we have to fix that because there's no amount of cardio that we can do to cover up. Like if yeah. you're on the Stairmaster for an hour, you barely probably burn off a, a king-size Snickers bar, <laughs> if that. Right, um, right. And most people will go pound burgers and fries and then eat a Snicker bar. So I'm not even touching what you just did at the dinner table after you did your cardio. So the next yeah. logical question will be that. And then typically, if you have someone who's nailing all their bases with nutrition and cardio, my, my, follow, my final last question would be, what does your training look like? And typically those people are like cardio kings and queens. So they might be doing a ton of running and eating right, but they aren't strength training. So I would say, hey, I would really highly suggest we get into strength training. And even if it's something as simple as three days a week or four days a week, like let's try adding that in and not changing any other variables. And let's see if we see some body fat loss. Right. So the other, the second part to one of the main questions that I get that relates to this is how many times per week is minimal to work out and be able to get lean and improve my physique. So what it, what can it, because I get people that are, that, and a lot of these people come to me and I just signed up a couple last night. So they, they got a little kid and they both work till like almost seven. So they work past yeah. six o'clock. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to swap days so the wife's going to come on one night, then the husband's going to come in the other, then the wife and the husband. And, you know, then they swap out who's watching the kid. The wife yes. has like 30 pounds to lose. The husband wants to put on 15. So I got wow. completely different diets that I'm giving them. So he's going to be coming on the strength days. She's going to be coming on the hit days. But what, what, I, what I tell them is, you know, we work out six days a week. So I'm telling them I you know, minimal for you. And like what I'm telling the gal who has like 30 pounds to lose, I say, I want you in here three days a week. And then I want you doing a minimal of two to three walks of 30 minutes per week. So five to six workouts, two of which are cardio and three of which are working out. And, um, so that's for me, that's, you know, four to five is like minimal. Like if you can only get in twice, you better really keep that diet tight. But I think to build muscle, to build your lean, some lean tissue and to optimally be able to burn fat at a good rate. I, I feel like if you're getting anything less than four days a week in combination between the cardio and the weights, I, I feel like it's, it's going to be kind of a tough, tough task. Like, yeah, with, so with her, I would say three days of spring training, and then if yeah. you can get two days of <clears throat> additional, like, low-intensity cardio, that's going to yeah. be ideal. Um, yeah. And although she's coming course. on the hit days, I'm going to make her do strength. So even though right. she's coming <laughs> on those days, Tuesday and Thursday, like, right. in my training app at my gym, you have all week's workouts loaded in it, and you can do uh, whatever from whatever. So you come on Tuesday, you can do Monday's workout or Wednesday's uh, workout. Gotcha. Yeah, that's now how for, it works. So now for him, I'm, I legitly believe as long as he's eating enough calories. Now, let me ask you this. What's his body fat percentage like? I'm actually testing it tonight. I just tested hers and she was so, at about 35. Based and on I'm, test, test, I'm testing it, but I, I don't think he's really high because he's, I think he's like a hundred and God, what did I, I think she said he was like 140 something pounds oh, wow. and five, eight. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's skinny. So yeah, okay. I probably can't uh, feed this guy enough. Right. Okay. So that's, okay. I really, I legit believe he could, he could progress and get bigger off of three days a week. Push, pull legs would have to be the split yep. you would have to do. And if he is, if he will eat enough, I believe in my heart, he will see progress. Now, will it take longer? Of course. But I think if he dug his heels in and worked hard for a year, five to ten pounds of lean muscle tissue would be a legit uh, game. Right. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's my thing. Okay. Next question. What exercise do you see done most incorrectly in the gym? <laughs> <laughs> you want to go first or me? I don't care. <laughs> um, I'm going to say now in my gym or a big box gym? Because I, I see like all kinds box, of shit. Like, yeah, like a big box I, gym, like golds or 24 hours or crunch or something like that. I think that um, deadlifts are the most botched up. Although people are generally getting a little bit better with deadlifts now. I feel like about five to 10 years ago when CrossFit was kind of at its peak was when everybody was really doing some fucked up deadlift form. And people are generally getting a little bit better with that. There's just so much information and people are watching technique and there's so many people uploading videos and technique and showing you how to do it correctly that I, I would, I would tend to think now I, five years ago, my answer would have been deadlifts. Now my answer would be, um, back exercises. So the lat pull downs close, close and wide grip, um, people just do it real sloppily and they're not engaging the muscles. They're pulling with their forearms and biceps, not engaging their backs. And this is one of my strong points and what I can kind of do well, um, is engage my back. So, and it's one of the things that I really preach and teach at my gym and give techniques and how to do that. Um, and first and foremost, first and foremost, I tell people to, pull with their elbows and not with their hands because I, I feel like that's the biggest mistake people make in getting their arm flexors too involved in back exercises. Um, so for me, I think it's the back exercises uh, are the bad. What, what's your answer for that? All right. So I'm hundred percent with you. 10 years ago, I would have said anything that involves a hip hinge, <laughs> um, right. deadlift, stiffly deadlift, bent over barbell rows. I would have said that because most people can't keep their back back flat and take their hips away from the bar. Um, yeah. But now, in the last five years, I would say it's a close one-two between side laterals and bent over rear laterals. Okay. I cannot tell you how many people cannot. And I'm talking like people with like legit good physiques, like cannot do a dumbbell side lateral correctly. It's all trap. Right. They get no side delta man. and or it's uh, bent over rear laterals, right? Where it's all mid to low trap because they're right. rowing the dumbbells as opposed to taking them away from their body. It, I literally just want to cringe. Like, I really believe people with that exercise don't understand how gravity works, and they don't understand that, like, there's no way their traps will not on fire. Because if you're looking in the mirror and you see your traps raising and lowering, what is doing the movement? Like, if the muscle is moving, it's working. So if you see your traps in the mirror working while you're doing a side lateral or they start to really, really burn, you need to lighten the load and learn how to do the exercise properly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say side laterals if I had to pick one singular exercise. Okay. So that leads us into our next question uh, that somebody fielded to you. How can I grow massive traps? All right, let's and start my... here. Okay, let's start go ahead. Here. For upper traps, do you train them personally or no? Um, I do. For my kind of upper mid, I do uh -huh. behind behind the back smith machine shrugs okay. so i kind of angle that. forward i angle and i yep. learned this from mark i i got yep. this technique from mark and i kind of lean a little bit forward and as i'm pulling with my with the bar behind my ass um i bend my elbows ever so slightly but mostly kind of elevated at the shoulder and it kind of gets the bottom part of my trap almost into the top of my rhomboids ish yep, yep. that's a great exercise for mid yeah. for mid mid to low trap all day long. Right. Um other than that, I don't need to I don't need to do okay. I've done so many fucking power cleans and things in my <laughs> life. My traps aren't a weak point. Yeah. If anything, right. my yeah. shoulder exercises, my traps like to have a tendency to take over when I elevate right. and do overhead mm -hmm. shit. So I don't yeah. need okay. to do any extra. Right. I'm the same way. I haven't directly trained my traps in over five years. And 
it does they don't look like I haven't touched them. Um, your traps ha have great if you've done enough deadlifting in your life and, and rack pulls and you do heavy rowing, you don't need to directly hit your traps. Now, if you're early right. in your career of bodybuilding or literally there's no meat um, directly below your ears, then by all means, dumbbell and barbell shrugs are the way to go. Um, yeah. But you can't balance it. You can't jerk it. It's not a total body like earthworm movement. Like literally pull the <laughs> bar of the dumbbells up, hold it for two seconds, and then lower them under control. This like jerky... Like you see guys in the gym, right? Like load up 495 on the bar and they just like hump their neck forward. That's not a shrug. <laughs> your shoulders have to go towards your oh, ears. The, 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 the chicken pecking technique? Yeah. <laughs> the yep. chicken, like, a like a chicken eating grain? Oh my God, it's stupid. Like stop it. Stop the idiocy. It's not working yeah. anything. It's um, not working anything. Yeah. People do calves like that too. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So to they, me, they like bouncy to, calves. You listen. If you want big traps, deadlift until you can't stand up straight. I promise over the long haul that will work. If you want to throw in some stuff, do the dumbbell and barbell shrugs that I just talked about. If you want to hit mid traps, the exercise that Greg said, Smith machine behind the back, or horizontal dumbbell shrugs work really, really well on a uh, incline bench if you want to target that mid trap to low trap. That's a very yeah. hard exercise to nail to do it right. You ha It takes a lot of practice. It's almost like if I put my hand in between your traps, you have to pinch my fingers. Like if I have a client that needs to thicken up that area, that's what we do. And I'll put my hand back there. And if they if they can't push their muscle against my fingertips, like they need, they we restart the set. So for traps, that's what we recommend. So my recommendation, I actually like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna recommend in between like barbell and the neutral grip hammer strength uh, shrug. I like the position of the shoulders in that neutral. So palms facing the body hammer strength plate loaded uh, shrug machine. And yep. then what I would do is I would do that to fatigue, then grab a, a pair of 45 pound uh, iron grip weights that have the handles on it and then do a drop set with the 45s. Um, also in a neutral, neutral grip, um, yeah. and just fatigue the crap out of it with, with volume. If, if, if I were, if I were training traps or recommending traps for people. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, if you yeah. don't have traps, you have to shrug. Um, but I would, like, if you've lifted weights long enough, you, most yeah. guys don't, most guys don't have to train traps. And listen, if you're a female and you're doing shrugs, walk away, please don't. If you're do bikini figure, even physique, don't do traps. It throws off right. your look. Because think about it, you want an X-frame. The bigger your traps are, it makes your shoulders look smaller. You have to have massive shoulders if you have huge traps. Like, look at Johnny Jackson and Branch Warren. Some of the biggest traps ever. Ronnie Coleman's another yeah. great example. Those guys can pull it off because their shoulders are enormous. Yeah. You, you see the guys in stringer tanks, right, that have... No neck, but their shoulders are like flat and they have no size to them. It looks terrible. Yeah. It makes you look really, really narrow, even though you might not be. So be leery when you're training traps. If you're a female, do not do it. Right. Right. <clears throat> okay. Right, I'm going to leave. Out. Yeah. No, let's at least this... do this. Can we do the Olympia one and then we'll call it a day? Yeah. So, yep. Um, who is your dark horse at the Olympia? You go first. To I don't want to give you my answer. Um, well, if, if Kai Green is doing it, I'm going to say Kai Green. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to do it. I'd love to see him compete. I don't know if he's getting in shape. I don't know if he's going to jump on. I don't even know if he's got an invite. Um, if Phil jumps in and do it, I don't know if he's going to do it. I'd love to see him do it. I think he'd do great. Um, if those two guys don't enter into it, um, I don't know. I don't even know if I have, ha I guess like maybe Brandon Curry. I, I, I don't think Nathan Dasha. I don't really like Luke Sandow. I just, I'm not a big fan of his and his physique. I know he's kind of grainy and got a lot of size to him, but uh, I, I'm going to go for an old guy. So I'm going to say C-Mac. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So two weeks ago, I would have told you Dexter Jackson, if you asked me this question. Now that everyone saw him win Tampa, a lot of people are picking him, right? 
Right. So, so I don't feel like I can say that's a dark horse. I think he's literally a front runner at this point. I, you know, I think Brandon Curry and uh, Dexter are the two front runners in my yeah. opinion currently. A dark horse right. that I'm looking to do really yeah. well that no De- one's really Dexter's not a dark horse. Dexter's not no. a dark horse. So no. Um, the the dark horse I'm thinking who will be top five this year that no one's talking about is Steve Kuklo. He looks bananas oh. right now. Okay. Um, I think he has a legit chance. Like, so this is saying this is saying that Rami doesn't get a special invite, which I don't think he will. Phil won't compete. Kyle won't compete. Roden won't be able to compete. If you knock right. those four guys out, he's been top ten the last couple years. So he brings nasty condition. Um, the only real body part that he is missing, so to speak, is he lacks a little bit of thickness in his back, like a lot of the guys, you know, like Brandon and Luke are going to have, um, right. and that Dexter has. But outside of that, like he's got huge legs, his shoulders and arms are crazy, his chest is crazy. He's always peeled. He's really thick from the side. Like I think, and he brings that nasty like vascular package. And you know, always joke like you know. If anybody can do it, it's that like Texas mentality, right? <laughs> and he is a hundred percent American. Um, I, I really like the fact that he's a hardworking dude who just loves bodybuilding. So I think that's my dark horse if I had to pick somebody. Okay. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's gonna win it, by the way, but I think he's gonna be right. in his first call out and and be like, Man, I didn't realize he was that good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Well, cool guys. For Chris Edmonds, this is Greg Jones. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of Physical Culture Radio. Stay tuned.